Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. It is awesome. We are in the third installment of this series that we've just simply called um, Alternate Endings. And with that, that we've been looking at this concept that, that, that God brings us an alternate ending. That every time we pray, we're looking for and asking for and expecting an alternate ending. All of those prayer requests that are getting dropped in the buckets right now are, are a, a place of hope and declaration for, for things to begin to shift and get an alternate ending. And I'm, we're here today to celebrate the truth. That God really does alter endings. We've been looking at this concept. And if you have your, your <clears throat> bulletin, you have your little version app open. You just follow along in the notes right here and now. And, <clears throat> and we've looked at this concept. That the resurrection is the greatest alternate ending ever. And reminds us, reminds us that God still alters endings. That's why we come back to it and we remember We remember that he's still in the habit and in the business of altering endings. Let's look at 1 Peter 1.3 again. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that in his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This new birth is into a living hope. This is into something that's alive and dynamic and it makes a difference. It's a living hope. It's not just this, this, this just generic hopeful hope on the outside. It is this alive hope on the inside of us. And hope looks for a good ending. Hope always looks for something to turn out better than it's looking at the moment. That's what hope does. And it builds this thing in our, in our hearts. And then faith says God actually wants to move and do it and grabs a hold of it. And God has brought us into this living hope that begins to change the way we look at our world, begins to change the way we look at ourselves, and begins to change the way we look at the different people in our lives. And today we're looking at the concept of altered time. Because, I mean, we've all seen the movies on time travel and the novels and the thoughts and how many of us, every person in this room at some point has wished They could hit a little rewind button of some kind. They could have a little go back machine and fix some stuff. All of us wish that there was a place that we could just alter time. That it didn't go the way we wanted it to go. And man, all of a sudden now, if we could just go back and fix it. And there's the the greatest places of, of desperation and frustration come when we feel like, There are missed opportunities that something just floated by and we missed it or we made a wrong decision. And and today we're going to look at the truth that though those things happen in our lives, that God's best is forward for us. Around here, you'll, you'll hear us talk about asking ourselves, where am I and which way forward from here? God's best is still forward for us. And we have to recognize the times that we've got to grab a hold of what he's doing in the moment. Even if we feel like maybe something has slipped by in the past. My uh, grandfather, my my mom's uh, dad, 
just had his 86th birthday. He shared birthday with my son who just jumped up and left as I'm going to recognize him. He come in from Dallas and he like ran away. And so from Bible school. And so um, the, they share a birthday on uh, April 13th. And my papa just turned 86. And if you've been around Celebration Church very long, you've heard me tell stories on my papa on, on all of the different stuff and that he's got himself into. And in his 86 years, uh, um, he's, uh, he's, he's a character of a man. Anyways, but I personally am thankful that he seized an opportunity because if he had not seized a particular opportunity and redirected a, a poor decision he made, um, I, I wouldn't be here today. Wouldn't be here. So he, my, him and my grandmother had started dating in, in a, a junior high age school in La Mesa, Texas. And so, and, uh, so my papa, um, you know, he really liked my Mimo, and but periodically... For whatever reason, my Meemaw still doesn't understand it, but he would um, break up with my Meemaw. And so he would break up, and she feels like it always kind of centered around, like, Valentine's and Christmas. Like, <laughs> somehow it was like they needed to take a break when it was time to give a gift, and then kind of drift back over here and and she'd kind of seen a little bit of a pattern going on here and she only had eyes for Joe Dean. She only had eyes for him. And he kind of knew it and kind of kept her on a on a stringer. And uh and so in one of these moments he had uh he had broken up with my Mimo and uh anyways and sure enough a uh, another gentleman there in La Mesa, Texas saw an opportunity uh to go after Clara Barron. And went and asked her if to go out on a date. And so she was like, I would love to go out on a date with you. And so goes out on a date, and she knew where my pawpaw was going to be. And convinced this guy, like, we need, to take, we need to go to this part of town and drive over this part of town. And had him slow the car down real slow. And she slid over there close to this guy as they're driving back past my pawpaw. Well, Papa, he'd made a bad decision on letting Mimo go. And, uh, but thankfully, there in La Mesa, Texas, I would love to have had a, had a, had a video uh, of Joe Dean. Because what he did is, is that guy had slowed the car just enough that my grandfather chased the car down, opened the passenger door, jumped in the front seat. When as this other joker's driving, wins my Mimo back. Repent, says he's sorry. Take me back, take me back. She's on a date with another guy. And she's like, okay. And then they, get, they get out at the next corner and praise God, I'm here today. But I tell you what, I'm so thankful that he jumped into a moving car. And saw that maybe he needed a different ending than the one that he had dominoed and started by his poor decision. And that moment happened that day. That day. It wasn't a day down the road. It wasn't a day on some. God always moves today. Whatever day it is, he moves today. That's when we have to say yes. 
We don't know that we're given tomorrow. We don't know what lies ahead. Yesterday's already gone. So we have to begin to cultivate within our hearts, if we're going to be Christ followers and live to the full, that we say yes today. Every time God, the Holy Spirit, begins to move in our lives, that we say yes today. You want to see God begin to alter time and begin to shift things from a bad decision in the past? You begin to say yes today. And you're like, I don't know how he can do it. I guarantee it's a yes today. And then it's a yes in the next today. And it's a yes in the next today. And you can look up and he can fix relationships. He can fix broken, broken endings. He can fix all sorts of messed up opportunities. When we begin to embrace the God who wants to move today. See, the God, the one, God, the one who created time, can turn our wasted years into something useful. He can turn it into something useful. Because, see, we still have, we have a very concrete understanding of time. It is this relentless flow, day in and day out, second by second, that, of this flow. But God exists outside of time. So we get to talk to someone, whereas we're stuck in time, who works outside of time. Let's look back to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. It says, and God said, let there be light. And boom, light exists. There was light. And God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. And God, God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Now, folks, we keep reading in this passage, and we don't get till day three that we get a sun and a moon. And the stuff that we see the revolving and the spinning and all of the mechanisms that we call a day. So here God is talking and referencing in time when we don't, when the stuff we reference time by doesn't even exist yet. He's not even made it. And he's talking in increments of days and time and all of these different things. So when God begins, when we begin to give God our time, we have to recognize he's the one who created it. The stuff we understand, a trip around the sun being a year, a revolution of our planet being a day, he created all of that stuff. And so many times we can feel like we've had wasted days and wasted years and that there's nothing that could be done when we put them in the hands of the God who created all of those mechanisms. I'm telling you, he can begin to fix things in seconds. That we broke years and years and years ago. 2 Corinthians 6.2 says. For he says in the time of my favor I heard you. And in the day of my salvation I helped you. I tell you now is the time of God's favor. And now is the day of salvation. Now. That, that heavy burden, that stuff that's on your heart, that what if, now is the time he wants to begin to minister. Now is the time that he wants to begin to take place. As we were on the men's retreat and we had different men sharing different testimonies of different things that they were dealing with, all of them came to a now moment. All of them had a today that began to shift the, the, the nature of that story. Each one of them. Folks, that's how God looks and works in our lives. He does something today and he leads us today. He led you today. Prompted you to get out of bed and come to church today. 
There was other things to do. You had, you had laundry to do. You had other things you could have done. And you obeyed and you said, okay, God, this is a, this is a priority, priority to me. And you came and you shifted. Maybe you're at home and you, you got stuck and you're watching on our Facebook stream. But you dialed in and you pulled it up on your computer and you're there. And guess what? Today, today is your day. See, now is the best time to choose to follow God. Even if we've messed up some other nows in the past. We had a, uh, Cutie and I had a moment years ago where we were so thankful that our, our little daughter interrupted and had us redirect our now. Um, Brooklyn was about five years old, and we've always had some sort of remodel going on in our lives. And so uh, as much as we don't like living in a construction zone, somehow we, me, always tends to have us living in a construction zone. Our church is living in a construction zone. Um, it's my fault, by the way, so... You get to be a part of this, uh, uh, this that I, cre- I create. And so, um, um, anyways, but we were living in this construction zone and remodel. If anybody's ever tried to, to do remodel with their spouse, you know it can be stressful. It can be painful. And uh, thankfully now, I think Pinterest has made it a little easier. And so, because they can go, we're going to do this. And then the tiles picked, the walls are picked, the sinks picked, everything's picked. And you just show the contractor, make it look like that. And so, but this was in the days before Pinterest, and you just had to pick every little thing. And we had been in the home improvement stores all day and making decisions and grinding against one another and just got a little edgy. And we were having dinner that Saturday evening after a day of remodel and making decisions. And, and we had everybody around the, the, the dinner table. And Cutie and I were not setting a very good example of uh, peace and harmony in our home. And that edginess of the construction was carrying forward. And Brooklyn, at five years old, sees that and pipes up and sees the tension. And she says, hey, 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 hey. Um, Let's all say what we're thankful for. (laughs) And I'm telling you, as we acknowledged that that evening was not going in a good direction, that things had gotten off the rails a little earlier that day and we had missed some now moments, we were confronted with a brand new now. And we could either continue to be sideways and gripe at one another and deal with it, or we could shift our thinking. And find out what we were thankful for. All of a sudden when you go, man, I'm thankful we have a house to remodel. I'm thankful we have some money to spend on some supplies. And we can argue about paint colors. My goodness, what an amazing thing. All of a sudden you begin to look at what you begin to thankful for. And it began to shift and shifted that dinner and shifted that evening and shifted the course of that project. And even though we would messed up some other now moments... The mouth of a child opened up and gave us an opportunity to redirect. Maybe you've messed up some other nows. Maybe you've created some place and so many times I know one of my my terrible, terrible hang-ups is I will get a big vision for something and I want it to go a certain way. And then something doesn't go that way and it begins to unravel what I wanted to see happen and then I'm like, well, just forget it. 
It's like I want to throw some big grandiose party for cutie for her birthday, and then something goes off the rails, and then, and then I just wake up that morning and say happy birthday, and that was all I did. It's like, well, I had a really great thing planned, but yeah, this, this still didn't work, so never mind. And just blow all of it. I mean, we did do that. I, I hope I'm the only one guilty of that, but I don't think I am. And so, but we, we want things to go one way, and one little hiccup comes in, and it's like the whole, just, just trash, trash the whole thing. And see, the enemy wants to come in as we're on the, pursuing the vision and the plan that God has for our life and, and throw a little snafu and wants us to just trash the whole thing and Guess what? God gives you another now and he gives you another moment to begin to see some things genuinely shift. I want us to look back into the Old Testament. I want us to look at a man who was called and anointed of God to do something incredible. And he had some hiccups along the way and spent a long period of time that maybe looked like wasted years. And we're going to look at the life of Moses just to give you a little backstory, if you don't know the story of Moses, Moses came along at the tail end. We, we did a, a, an extensive series uh, last year on the life of Joseph. And Joseph was kind of the, the, the front end of the Israelites going into Egypt. And initially they had a lot of favor. And it was a good place. They, they found shelter in the time of famine. They had a lot of favor in the house of, of, of Pharaoh. And, in the deal. and as long as there was somebody on the throne who remembered the, the impact that Joseph had on the nation of Egypt, they were favored. But as soon as somebody came along, a Pharaoh came along and didn't recognize that this group of Hebrew people who were a little bit weird and had a little bit different customs had really made a difference, then all of a sudden, then things began to shift, and they began to despise the Israelites and began to abuse them and actually turn them from favored participants in their nation to slaves. And then they spend 430 years in that nation, the bulk of which, centuries and centuries of which, as slaves. And they began to be oppressed more and more and more. And there was a promise that was given as they went in with, with Joseph and, the, and Jacob and the Israel. The, they all, they're, they're brought in to the place of Egypt. They're promised that they're going to come out. And the oppression got so intense. And the Egyptians were so afraid of the strength of the Hebrew people, the Israelites that they began to kill all the baby boys that were being born. And then when baby boy was born, they would kill him. Well, Moses' mama, Jochebed, gets pregnant. And it's under this time where there's a death sentence on baby boys. And she gives birth to a boy and sees that, that he's a beautiful child and has a mama's heart. And she begins to come up with a plan. Begins to come up with a plan to protect him. She builds this little basket and she covers it with some waterproofing material, some pitch. And she sticks him in it and sticks him in the reeds along the Nile where the, the Pharaoh's daughter, the king's daughter, would come out and, and bathe. And has her daughter who was there watching this whole scene. I know everybody thinks that she just floats Moses off in a basket and just twisting, crossing her fingers, and that's what they do in the movies and the cartoon, but you read the scriptures, and she sets him among the reeds, and there's these little reeds holding his little basket in place, and, and his sister's watching over it, and sure enough, 
here comes the Pharaoh's daughter, and they, she sees the basket, and she's like, go get the basket, what's in there? And here's a little Hebrew boy. And she's like, this is amazing. Oh, wow, this, this is neat. I, I want to keep him. And so, sure enough, the sister comes up and says, I know, uh, I know uh, someone who can take care of this and can nurse and, and, and be a nanny to this uh, little baby. And Jochebed gets called to nanny her own son and gets to care for him and take care of him. And he's raised in the Pharaoh's house. And he's raised there. And he ra he's raised understanding who he is. He's raised and nannied by his own mom. And there's a lot of people trying to make the story that there's this big aha moment when he's like, oh, my goodness, I'm not actually Pharaoh's kid. He knew he wasn't Pharaoh's kid the whole time. He was raised by the mama. And she told him of their heritage and told him of all of this. And, and, and him, his people being oppressed while he was in a place of favor in the house began to bring some tension for him. And he was like, something has to happen. And this guy was set apart. Moses was set apart by God to be a leader and to, and to deliver his people. But Moses took it into his own hands and tried to force his destiny his own way. And we're going to catch up with that in Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2, verse 11, it says, One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were, and he watched them at their hard labor. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. And glancing this way and that, and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, Why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew, the man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you, gonna, are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? And then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. And when Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. Moses is 40 years old when this exchange takes place. And Moses sees the oppression of his people and he just bothers them. And he steps in and he begins to just take it into his own hands and murders an Egyptian who was beating and wronging his Hebrew. But he tries to cover it up and he's, he wants to step into his destiny and he, and he does it all wrong. That there's something he feels like is on his heart to do and that God has set him apart to do. And he tries to force it on his own. And he does it all wrong, and he ends up running for his life. And from here forward, he spends the next 40 years in the desert. The next 40 years. He goes from being 40 to 80. And then every year that passes by, all of a sudden, in the back of his mind, he's like, I, I must have totally missed it. My mom must have been off her rocker. Thinking that there was something special about me. I'm out here in the middle of nowhere. I've got no one who recognizes my people. No one who recognizes my God. No one who understands any of this stuff. I felt like there was supposed to be an assignment on my life. It must have just been my, my mama's maternal thing. Just wanting me to be special. I was obviously not anything different. About me. Happens at 41, at 42, at 43, at 44. 
Cross is 60 years old. The cross is 70 years old. The cross is 75 years old. And he's out minding his own business, herding some sheep, doing his best at 80 years old. And he sees a bush on fire, but it's not. There's fire, but it's not burning. It's not being consumed. So he goes to check it out. And he walks up to it. And God begins to speak to him. Says he's in a holy place. And God has an assignment on his life. We catch up with that in Exodus 3 verse 4. It says, and when the Lord saw, it'll be on the screen but not in your notes. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from, where, from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Don't come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. And I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians. And to bring them out of the land into a good and spacious land. A land flowing with milk and honey. The home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now the cries of the, Israel, of the Israelites has reached me. And I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, go. I am sending you out to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. I'm sending you. I'm sending you now. Now I want you to go. There begins to be a, an exchange, and Moses throws up all his excuses, the fact that he's not a good speaker, and all of the different things, and God has all those bases covered. Imagine that. And, and Moses begins this interaction of simply saying, here I am. Here I am. I want to tell you, as we look at these alternate endings, maybe there's some places in your life where there's something you've, you've tried to step into in the past. A dream, something that you had in your heart. You felt like that God really was wanting to do something in your life. And you tried and it failed miserably. It got you nowhere. It created pain. It sent you fleeing. And you've been floating along doing your own thing. And you feel the Spirit of God saying, now I want you to go. Now I want you to step out. Now I want to do this. I'm the one who's with you. I'm going to do this with you. See Ephesians 5.16 says, Make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Make the most of every opportunity. If we will simply believe that the God of today is bigger than the God of our of, of our, not bigger than the God of, bigger the God of today. Ah, I'm tongue tangled. If you believe that the God of today is bigger than your yesterday's mistakes. 
man, the, the, the alternate endings are unlimited. They just are. God can begin to shift and make things change. And make things change. I love this next parable that we're about to read. Because see, the message of hope in Christ is that you don't have to get it right the first time. You don't have to get it right the first time. You just have to go, you know what, I, let, let's, let's do this. And Jesus uses this as an example of God's redemption plan, his grace. Let's look at Matthew 21 as we wrap this up. It says, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and he went. And then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. And he said, I will, sir. But he didn't go. Which of the two <clears throat> did what the father wanted? The first, they answered. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. The tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom ahead of you. You think you've got this figured out. You think you understand what this is about. But those who will let their hearts be shifted to the will of the Father, those are the ones. The will of the Father. That's it. That's it. So many times we think we have to have this obedience thing perfect. That God moves in our hearts and, we, and he speaks to us. And we say, yes, sir. And then we move into it. And that is the best way to do it by far. But guess what? Sometimes we say no. And then the Holy Spirit doesn't leave us alone. And we say no and the Holy Spirit doesn't leave us alone. And we say no and the Holy Spirit doesn't leave us alone. And we go, all right, God, I want to do it. I want to step into it. Guess what? Jesus says that's, that's still doing the will of the Father. Maybe you've been in a place of struggle. Maybe you've pushed back. Maybe you've said no in the past and you've stayed in the same cycle and the same mess over and over again. But the Holy Spirit is asking you to walk out of it and step into him and trust him today. Today's the day. Today is the day. 2 Corinthians 6, 2. I want to read it again. For he says, in the time of my favor, I've heard you. And in the day of salvation, I, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now. Now is the day of salvation. Our bottom line, folks, today is the best day to let God work in your life. Don't let the mistakes of the past limit what you think God can do in and through you. Do not do it. Our God is a God of today. He will work in our lives today. Give him your today. Folks, your story isn't over. The resurrection proves that God can still give an alternate ending. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.